Chicken. Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempak's cat, you have had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Welcome to Trek Talking, episode 516. Actually, it's a little bit more than that because... I was doing stunt treks with the Leslie Hoffman, so it's closer to 600, but that, that's fine enough. We have a great show planned for you guys tonight. The wait is over. Picard Season 3 is upon us, and we are going to be talking about the premiere episode, which aired last week, an episode entitled The Next Generation. We will not be talking about the episode which is airing today, which is titled Disengage. We'll talk about that one next week. And the reason why we do that is because we have a lot of international listeners, if you listen to our fan shout-outs, and a lot of people don't get the episode until Friday. And we want to make sure that all of our listeners have an equal opportunity to join in the conversation and enjoy our podcast without anything being spoiled. So that's why we're a week behind, just to let everybody know. But boy, oh boy, do we have a great show planned for you guys tonight. You know, uh, I don't know if you heard this, but Beverly Crusher has a son, meaning Wesley has a stepbrother. And I asked our pod, our people on our Facebook page, who do you think the father is? And we've got some very interesting theories and comments from our Facebook fans, and we're going to get around to those as well. We also asked our Facebook fans, what do you think about Captain um uh, uh, I can't even remember the dude's name, Liam, Liam Hemsworth um, of the USS Titan A. We got a lot of interesting responses from them as well. So we're going to read off our Facebook fans' um, views and give our own. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. You can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. But before we talk about the episode, we have some fan shout-outs, as usual, so Star Trek birthdays. So we got a little bit. You got time to run to the microwave, grab some chicken wings, grab some pizza bites, get comfortable, and uh, come back and chat with us. We'd love to hear from you. 646-668-2433 is the number. Give us a call, and we'll get you on the air. So I want to introduce to you guys my awesome, awesome Trexperts, and we'll start off with Charles. He's out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? Making sure I stay warm. We didn't go quite get pummeled with everybody else with the show, but we got flurries yesterday. We might see some maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, maybe Saturday. 
gee, I saw 70s earlier in the week. Now we miss them when we're in the 40s. But I'm ready wow. to talk Picard. Ready to talk Picard. I'm I'm psyched. I wow. I just I can't believe it's finally here. How long have we been waiting? The these are the episodes that I live for. I'm so excited. And also we have from Portland, our very own David the Donut Guy. How you doing tonight, David? Bleh. It's cold over <laughs> here. You have frozen donuts. Yeah, kind of. They're too hard to eat right now. Oh, my donuts are frozen style, let me tell you. We've got the snow, we got the cold. It's just unbelievable that it was almost 50 a couple of days ago. And, <laughs> wow, incredible how it can change. Also hailing from Portland, we have our very own Eric with us tonight. How you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am pumped up, Jim, man. I, I I am coming off of a con weekend. We had the Fan Expo here in Portland this past weekend. It was totally awesome. I took my kid for the first time. There was cosplay, cosplay, cosplay. I got to see Gates and uh, and like a whole bunch of other people in uh, like not only from Next Generation from but from Strange New Worlds. And I will say that it's a little bit dicey here because we just got ten and a half inches of snow in Portland, which, uh, according to the record books, is the second most amount of snow on record that we've ever received in the city. You have to understand we have a big mountain over here, so they get lots of snow over there. But in the city, since 1943, we have not received this much snow. So, um, yeah, we just hunkered down today spent like half the day digging out the cars and that was about it <laughs> yeah although we got buried here in vermont as well so you're not alone which is you know expected this time of year but uh I, star trek pulled me through i watched the picard episode three times or no four <laughs> there you Just go four times uh, because my wife wanted to watch it again and i never turn when she says i want to watch star trek hey let's do it so, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's odd because as I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're aware that I'm a Star Trek fan, right? Obviously. Um, the only Star Trek that my wife will watch is TNG and Picard and Star Trek IV, the one with the whales. Um, anything else, and it's like pulling teeth to, to watch it. Well, Jim, I will I will tell you that I have had a recent breakthrough in that my kid, my 13-year-old daughter, has actually formed her own Paramount Plus uh, account at this point, like her own profile, because she loves Lower Decks so much that she is re-watching as many Lower Decks episodes as she can possibly get her hands on, which to me feels like a victory. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's funny because... When we're watching an episode, uh, because being married to me, she's in, in, she's well aware of the Star Trek universe, obviously. So um, when we're watching an episode of Picard or or something, she'll catch all the little um, you know Easter eggs that are in there. Or even when I when I'm watching Lower Decks and she has to sit there and watch it because I have it on the TV, she knows all the stuff that they're mentioning. She'll say, oh, yeah, that's the, the giant Spock from that stupid cartoon you made me watch, you know. She catches <laughs> the stuff. Um, she just, 
isn't as into it as me. But hey, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that at all. She lets me dress up as a Klingon and wave my batlet around. What more could I ask for? You know, that's a perfect woman right there. Oh, so how did Fan Expo compare to Trek Conderoga? Uh, well, I've been to three cons in the last <laughs> year, and here's well, let me let me tell you. So I've been to three cons in the last year or so. Uh, I've been to Fan Expo, I've been to Trek Conderoga, and I went to Rose City Comic Con. Uh, last year, and I will say that Rose City Comic Con is by far the biggest and most uh, diverse uh, con that I've been to here locally. I will say that Fan Expo was not so bad. There was a ton of anime, which I am not familiar with, but it was offset by the fact that I got to see two different Trek panels, one TNG, one Strange New Worlds. I got to see Anson Mount and Ethan Peck talk about uh, you know, their whole jam, we got to see uh, Riker and Crusher and Data all talk about their jam, uh, and that was like watching, uh, you know, an old married couple interact, <laughs> you know, because it's like functional and dysfunctional, and it works perfectly. So I will say Fan Expo was definitely my favorite. Trek on Daroga was amazing because you don't. There's there's no other con that I've been to where you get that kind of up-close access to the fans and even to the people who are there, right? Like, your options may be slightly limited, but you can get closer to them. Uh, you, there's more of a chance that you're going to get, uh, you know, a cool photo with somebody like Tracy Coco or, you know, something like that when you're at Condoroga. These other cons in Portland are pretty big, Um uh, but I was just happy that Fan Expo actually had a decent amount of of Trek representation in and amongst all of the anime and all the other franchises that were represented. Well, you know that Trek Conoroga is held at the Ticonderoga High School because you were there, and uh, I went in. I went into the bathroom, and who's standing at the urinal? Yeah. <laughs> John no. Delancey. I've told know? people about that too. And I, <laughs> yeah. You never know who you're going to pee next to at Triconderoga. <laughs> no, you absolutely don't. So uh, actually, uh, Gates, Brent, and Jonathan are going to be at Triconderoga this year. So well, I have be- to tell you that I I uh, had a rare, a little, a quick opportunity to uh, it, when they came in to talk about their TNG panel. Um, you know, Jonathan Frakes was the first to enter, and he sort of did the uh, go around the crowd, like down the aisle, you know, slapping hands and stuff. And so I got to shake Jonathan Frakes' hand right there live, and uh, I was pretty excited about it. He had a very nice, firm, cool handshake. So I'll just say, of all the handshakes I've had of celebrities, it was one of the finest. <laughs> uh, actually, there's a, there's a funny uh, bathroom joke. About Will Wheaton and Bill, um, Billy Idol. Them Billy running Idol. into each other in the, the bathroom. Rock and roll singer. Let's hear it. Let's yeah. mm-hmm. hear it. Yep. Guy. Then, no, you got to go the bio. You got to get the biography. You got to okay. get well. the annotated biography. But he's in there. We talked about running into Billy Idol, standing next to him in the urinal. I love it. Well, yeah. I got to tell you, while we're talking about Jonathan Freaks, he he is. My my wife, I already said she's a huge TNG fan, and she thought Riker was the cutest thing in the world. And I was like, okay, if that's all it takes, 
great that <laughs> <laughs> let's drive up to Syracuse and meet him. He's going to be there this weekend. Because back in the 80s, there was a Star Trek convention at Pickett City everywhere. Every weekend, there was one somewhere. And so we hmm. went up to Syracuse to meet him. And this was at the end of the first season, but before the second season. So we hadn't seen him with a beard yet. And we oh. got up there and had a wicked snowstorm. What a nightmare. And they canceled the convention, but we were already there. And so Jonathan comes walking in the lobby, and he's got the beard, and my wife starts swooning. And, the, and we're like, oh, my God, it's Jonathan Frake. Should we talk to him? And so, you know, we went over to talk to him, and the convention guy was a real douchebag. I said, oh, go away. We don't got time for this. We got to get Mr. Frakes to the airport. And Jonathan stopped the guy and said, hey, hey, these are my fans. And we went into the ballroom, which was still set up but empty. And we sat down, and he shook my hands, and my wife was just out of it. And my buddy, John, and he sat down in the chin. He said, what do you think about the beard? And we said, we like it. And he says, okay, well, then I think I'll keep it for the next season. He took a picture with, with us, which my wife, this, you got to remember, this was pre-photo op days, okay? I know, before he had to yeah. pay 100 bucks for a photo. Yeah, oh, you didn't, yeah. that didn't happen, okay, back in the 80s, okay? But you also got an autograph for free, so it was a trade-off. Um, but anyways, we got a picture with Jonathan Frakes. And he shook our hand, and he left. And I was like, wow. We, we drove three and a half hours. We got a picture, a handshake, no heat in our car, and now we got to drive home in a freezing cold. But we met Donald. Totally Frakes. worth it. <laughs> I just I can't tell you. I was blown away with how cool he was. So, yeah. I have other Jonathan Frakes stories, but that was the first one I wanted to share. But at any rate, we're getting off track. Uh, Paul the wine slash toy guy uh, cannot be with us because today is his son's birthday. So that's why he's not with us. And we're going to happy birthday. Anthony. We're going to get around to that a little bit later. So don't you worry. We, we have, we have, uh, we have our uh, phaser set to stun. So uh, I want to let you guys know that we have uh, 107,701 likes on our Facebook page. I didn't update that before the podcast tonight because I'd been showing snow and I was tired. So I apologize. So uh, I didn't update those numbers. They are probably higher than that. Uh, but as uh, 107,701, that is awesome, if you ask me. And, um, yeah, I, I just can't – wow, you guys are just the greatest. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we do have a pair – of tickets for Alien Con, and I'm going to play this awesome little spot here for you. Alien Con is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from Ancient Aliens, The Secret of Skidwalker Ranch, The Unexplained, and The Proof is Out There. Tickets at thealiencon.com. Eric, you did such a great job with that. Spot, why don't you tell our listeners how they can land a pair of tickets to AlienCon absolutely free. Yeah, it's really super easy. All you have to do is go to trektalking.com, and in that lower right-hand corner of our website, you will see an icon of a microphone. And when you click on that microphone, you get an opportunity to record a message to us. And all we need to know is who you are, where you are, 
and how to get a hold of you and why you like Star Trek. And if you do that and you just leave us a little message, we may share it on the air, but you will get a pair of tickets to this most awesome con, which has just a ton of really cool guests coming to it. So, yeah, just go to truckdocking.com, and it's that easy. And while you're there, you can click on the sponsor page. You'll see the Alien Con banner, and you can get the prices. You can get find out who's going to be there, the whole ball of wax. So with that out of the way, there's one more thing i got to cover before we dive into the meat and potatoes, sorry, Leslie, of the podcast. <laughs> and that, yeah, Inside and joke. That, everybody. Uh, hopefully Leslie's listening and she got a little laugh out of that. Um, there is an awesome convention, an awesome fan run convention um, coming up and uh, Trek Talking, yours truly, Uncle Jim is going to be there. I'm going to be doing a couple of panels, one on Star Trek V and one on Michael Burnham. So um, if you're a fan of Star Trek V, if you're a fan of Michael Burnham, if you're a Star Trek fan, uh, you definitely want to try to get to Trek Long Island if you can. And of course, of course, our very own Eric put together this awesome spot for Trek Long Island, and uh, I'm going to play it for you right now. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hopog, New York, on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests, ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room, where you will find exhibitors and authors, and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. I'm, I'm so looking forward to this convention. I will be on a panel, a podcast panel, with all the podcasts that Eric just mentioned, and we're going to be talking about Star Trek podcasts, obviously. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Miko, also, they have an exclusive Mr. Spock from Strange New Worlds and a Captain Pike from Strange New Worlds, which oh, are both nice. going to be available exclusively 
that trek Long Island. Wow. So I know you're going to have some salt vampires there that you can pick up and have Sandy Gimple sign for you as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, they're going to be making an announcement on Friday. They're adding a Klingon to their lineup, and I'm hoping that it's Mary Chifo. I, I can only hope. I don't know. I haven't talked to Edwin lately, but I'm hoping it's Mary Chifo. Um, we'll see. So they're, they're always adding more guests to the lineup. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. They are sold out, though. Edwin told me that the hotel is completely booked solid. You'll have to stay at another hotel. So if you want to get tickets, head over to – well, actually, Charles, how can our awesome listeners get more information and find out how to get tickets to Trek Long Island? Well, I'm betting Jim has a link on trektalking.com instead of searching through the Facebook page. That's right. You can go right to our trektalking.com, and you will see the Trek Long Island banner. You click on that, and boom, all the information that you need on getting tickets, hotels, who's going to be there, the whole enchilada, everything is right there at your fingertips on trektalking.com, as well as every one of our previous podcasts. They're all in one place. All right, guys, so that takes care of all the housekeeping. I think we're, uh, we're done. What do you think? Woo! All right, see you guys next week. Woo! Right, well, that was quick. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're done, and it's time to dive right in to the actual podcast. Ah, even a, better, even better. As, as if we, we haven't been podcasting right now, but uh, that was just our joyful banter. Now it's time for the, the, the real podcast. Um, the meat and potatoes, Jim? Is that what you would say, the meat and potatoes of the podcast? <laughs> Yes, although we don't have Leslie with us right now, but yes, the meat <laughs> and potatoes of the pie. We need you. Leslie, quick, call 646-2433. So on our Facebook page, pinned to the top of our page, I asked the question, hey, where are you guys from? Who's listening? And all you got to do is go there and leave us your name and tell us where you're from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then that means that you are going to be featured on a fan shout-out. And the whole world will not only know that you're a huge Star Trek fan, but you're a fan of Trek Talking. So without further ado, Eric, would you like to get us started with this week's fan shout-outs? Jim, there is nothing I would like more, and we are going to head to the very neutral and right in the center of Europe, Switzerland. That's right, Lugano in the south of Switzerland houses one of our favorite listeners, Luca Molinari. Luca Molinari, thank you so much for saying hello to us all the way from Die Schweiz. And uh, I, we just really appreciate it. Uh, your country is amazing. I really hope to get there one day like with the Alps and the mountains and the stuff, it sounds just really stunning. I've seen pictures, but I'm sure it does not do it justice. So Luca Molinari, thank you so much for listening to us. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Richard Farugia from Melbourne, Australia, who sends us a live long and prosper and a little Australian flag. Richard, thank you so much for saying hello to us from down under and kapla to you, sir. Lizzie Daramont, I know that you are holding it down there in Germany, exclamation point, and you give us a little live long and prosper and a little alien icon, too. I like that. Lizzie Daramont, 
we're saying hello to you and appreciating the fact that you are supporting our podcast all the way from Europe. But that is not it. Top fan Tom Searley. Tom Searley, we are saying hello to you. You are over there in the Lincolnshire worlds. In England, the UK gives us a ton of support, and you are a top fan, which means that you actually interact with us quite a lot on our Facebook page, and we totally appreciate that, Tim. Thank you so much, uh, and live long and prosper to you, sir. Charles, you have some folks here stateside you'd like to say hello to, yes? Yes, I do. Let's start off with Brad Perlman from Washington, D.C., Oh, you must be staying warm over there with a lot of the hot air going on. Maureen Thorne Adams from New Jersey. Tawfan Lori Wright, Lonnie Wright. I was born in Odessa, Texas. I live now in Dallas. Michelangelo Grays from Albington, Pennsylvania. David, who's on your list? All right, looks like we got somebody from really close to Portland over in Milwaukee, Oregon, PDX. Hello to Jacob Linglois. I believe that's how you pronounce your last name. Sorry if I uh, uh, butchered it, but uh, yeah. What, Thanks for what listening. Exactly, what exactly is PDX? Is that an abbreviation for something that I'm not aware of? Uh, I believe that's the airport. I, I think I'm not exactly yeah. sure. Yeah, in the same way that uh, sometimes people will say L.A. or L.A.X. instead of Los Angeles, they will say PDX instead of Portland because PDX is the abbreviation for <clears throat> our airport. And I will tell you that our air I'm just a little plug here. Portland's airport has literally been voted the best airport in America the last I don't even know how many years, seven, eight, nine years running, something like that. Flying out of Portland is an absolute dream. I never show up more than an hour before my flight. I never have to wait. My flights are always on time. There's some sort of magical element right around the PDX airport that occurs that I am just so appreciative of. So, yeah, yeah. PDX is our airport, and it's pretty cool. It makes it's me feel like I'm on a space station. Donut. <laughs> yeah. They used and to I, have a blue star there, to be honest, actually, but they closed yep, down, sadly. So. They did, they did. <laughs> All right, next on my list is Doc James from Maine, USA. I hope you are related to Doc from Back to the Future, maybe? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. And next on the list is R. Brent Stripe from Murphy, Texas. Thank you for listening. And last on my list is Rachel Drury from Indiana. Thanks you all for listening. And uh, I guess it goes back to Eric. It does. We're also saying hello this week to top fan Patrick Schilling. Patrick Schilling is saying hello to us from Schleswig-Holstein in Germany, sending us a double live long and prosper. And Patrick is also a top fan. So Patrick Schilling, thank you so much for interacting with us on our Facebook page. And thank you for supporting us from the center of Europe right there in Germany. We're also saying hello right next door to Edgar Svats from Vienna, Austria. I cannot wait to go to Vienna. One of my favorite composers, obviously, Mozart, is from Vienna, and I would love to go there and just take in the culture and the food. Edgar, what a cool country. Thank you for saying hello to us from there. Top fan Lee Zaps is saying hello from Dax, southwest of France. 
didn't have a chance to look this up, but I assume the name of the town is Dax. That's so cool. Lee Zaps, thanks for saying hello to us. Whoa. And we are also saying hello one last time to Piotr Maslek from the center of Poland. Man, you are right there. What an interesting place to be, the mixing of so many different cultures. Piotr, thank you so much for saying hello to us. And Jim, I think you're going to bring it back home, aren't you? Yeah, we're going to come right back here to the continental U.S. of A. and say hello, thank you, and kawah to Cherry Busher, who's listening to us in Jacksonville, Florida. We also want to say kawah to Angela O'Malley, who's listening to us in Oklahoma. We want to say thank you to Joseph Marriott, who's listening to us in Utah. And last, but definitely not least, we want to send out a hearty kapla and live long and prosper to Richard Slaughter, who's listening to us in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you so much to each and every one of you guys. And if you'd like to hear your name featured on a future fan shout-out, just head over to trucktalking.com, find the little blue Facebook logo uh, in the upper right-hand corner, click on that, take you right to our Facebook page, and uh, just tell us where you're listening from. Look for a heart next to your name, and then tune into the following week's show and you will be featured. All right, guys, that wraps up our fan shout-out. We're creeping ever, ever so closer to Star Trek Picard. But you wait a little bit longer because it's time for Star Trek birthdays. <laughs> That was not a Klingon song. You know, Worf says that every week, but I am so psyched. I cannot wait to see him when he shows up on Picard. Unfortunately, he wasn't in the first episode, so hopefully he's in the one that's on tonight. I can't wait to see him in his in his white hair with his with his new Met glass. I'm just I'm so psyched. I, I can't wait to see him show up. At any rate, we always start off our Star Trek. I'm so excited for Picard. Can you tell? Um, I can we tell. Always, it's, it's, I can't wait to talk about it. Um, <laughs> start off Star Trek birthday <laughs> with remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are sadly no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Jim, this week we have eight members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us who would have had birthdays this week, uh, so we're going to honor them. Uh, the first member of our community is actor Mark Lawrence, who appeared a couple of times in Star Trek. Uh, he was an actor who appeared as Volnoff in the Star Trek The Next Generation third season episode, The Vengeance Factor, and then later appeared as Carl Zemo in the Deep Space Nine seventh season episode, Bada bing, bada bang. Uh, this guy had quite the visage. Uh, his face just said gangster. Uh, <laughs> he actually was in over 200 films and television series dating all the way back to 1932. And he had that brooding, sinister appearance that really got him cast a lot as a uh, mob guy, gangster, etc. Um, all the way from his uncredited appearance in the 1932 movie, If I Had a Million uh, through to the 1996 television movie, Gotti. Uh, he was all over the place, including uh, being in The Untouchables, and uh, had 
maybe one other role that I think people might remember more recently. He was actually in the 1992 film Newsies. So happy birthday to Mark Lawrence, who would have had a birthday on February 17th. Happy birthday also this week to actor John Bloom. John Bloom played the behemoth alien in Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country, the alien who Kirk kicks where, Jim, to take him down. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> luckily, we don't all keep our genitals in the same place. That's, that's, that's right. All <laughs> <laughs> Turns out you just got to kick him in the knee. But John Bloom was seven feet, four inches tall. So he was truly a behemoth of a man. He made his feature film acting debut in 1971 in the B-horror movie Dracula versus Frankenstein. And actually, holds the, uh, I guess, title of being the largest actor to ever play Frankenstein's monster. He followed up that appearance with several more B-movie horror flicks, uh, including 1975's Up Your Alley. And then later on in the 80s, he was uh, in The Hills Have Eyes 2, uh, Bachelor Party, Runaway Train. And then remember that adorable monster in Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah, that's him. So a uh, pretty cool actor. Unfortunately, probably because of his gigantic uh, persona and his body, uh, he was lost way too early at the age of 54 years old. So John Bloom lost way back in 1999, would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, John. Also saying happy birthday this week to Patricia Harlan Smith. Uh, Patricia Harlan Smith actually played one version of Dr. Kingsley in the Star Trek The Next Generation second season episode, Unnatural Selection. You'll remember that is the episode where uh, the main character, Dr. Kingsley, is rapidly aging. So it's kind of like Star Trek Three, where we go through several actors uh, at the time. And Patricia uh, Smith was one of those actors. Um, she was a young female uh, doctor in her 30s. Uh, oh, sorry, that, that character, I mean, I was just saying, uh, in, uh, showing up uh, at that accelerated age. And then uh, so the, the actor, Patricia Smith, actually appeared in several guest appearances, uh, including on the Debbie Reynolds show and the Bob Newhart show. And I did not know this, but she actually appeared in the 1974 Gene Roddenberry series, Planet Earth. So uh, that seems so cool. The pilot for that starred Majel Barrett, Ted Cassidy, and one of my favorites, Diana Moldar. So too bad I haven't seen that yet. Maybe one day I will. Patricia Smith would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday also to Marge Doucet, the Emmy-nominated actress who played Kara in the next, uh, in the original series, excuse me, third season episode, Spock's Brain, one of those great episodes people love to talk quite a bit. Um, Marge Doucet was born with quite a different name, Marjorie Ellen Pivanka Mahoney, way back in 1936. Um, and she's Emmy nominated because she made a career out of appearing in a number of amazing soap operas, um, all the way from uh, Capital to Santa Barbara to Days of Our Lives to Guiding Light. She literally made a career out of appearing in soap operas all the way from the early 80s all the way through 2009. So uh, 
like a very unique track that I think is so cool um, that she was to be so successful. I mean, she was one of these people who was on All My Children and, and played one of the the like villains, the main villains on that show. So whether you're into soap operas or not, you cannot deny a woman who takes charge of those types of roles and plays them for 45 years. Really, really cool. Um, a really interesting audio interview on her official website uh, reveals that she actually didn't watch her Star Trek episode Spock's Brain until a fan sent her a VHS tape in the 1990s. And once she watched it, she described in mock horror her performance and said, brain and brain, what is brain? How the hell did I get this job? (laughs) 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 Nevertheless, she says that she had a lot of fun making that episode uh, despite its uh, interesting nature. So, (laughs) Marcy say... Ever filmed, by the way. It's, it's, I'm just it's saying awesome. that, like, it's one of those ones that brings joy to my heart because it's so over the top. So, March say right there, thank you so much for giving us, uh, in my opinion, arguably one of the best episodes, simply for its entertainment factor. <laughs> Happy Absolutely. birthday as well. Yeah, for sure. Happy birthday as well to Edward Lawrence Albert, who played Zyra in the Deep Space Nine first season episode. A man alone. Um, Edward Albert uh, was, uh, I didn't realize this before I actually did the research. He was actually the son of Green Acre star Eddie Albert. So if you're familiar with that show from way back in the day, there's a kind of familial lineage um, connected there. Also, what I didn't know is in 1967, in only his second film he ever appeared in, he actually appeared opposite Goldie Hawn. That movie was called Butterflies Are Free. So there's a nice little connection there as well. He actually won some awards for his uh, portrayal as a blind man who falls for his kooky neighbor while escaping his overprotective mother. Uh, That was a Golden Globe nomination uh, for Best Picture Actor in a Musical or Comedy. Appeared in that, do you remember that CBS series way back in the day, Beauty and the Beast, which actually co-starred Ron Perlman and Armin Shimmerman? Yeah, Edward Albert was in that as well. He also did some voiceover work for Marvel, uh, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four, Daredevil, Spider-Man, all sorts of um, franchises. So Edward Lawrence Albert would have had a birthday this week on February 20th. Happy birthday, Edward. Happy birthday as well to Celia Lovsky, who played the original T'Pau in the Star Trek original series, uh, second season episode, Amok Time. Celia Lovsky, what a fantastic actress. Originally born in Vienna, Austria, um, one of those 14 actors that we know of who was actually born in the 19th century that appeared in Star Trek, so she was born in 1897. She studied at the Royal Academy uh, and appeared in stage plays in Austria and Germany until meeting her Hungarian uh, future husband, Peter Lorre, somebody you may have heard of uh, before. So they did divorce back in 1945, but she went on to do a ton of work after that, including portraying uh, Lon Chaney's mother in Man of a Thousand Faces, where she did her entire performance in sign language, which I think is pretty cool. So Celia Lovsky, our original T'Pau, would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Celia. 
Happy birthday as well to Reese Vaughn, who played Lieutenant Latimer in the original series first season episode, The Galileo 7. What a great episode. Um, Reese did a ton of uh, guest appearances, Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Wagon Train, Virginian, 12 O'Clock High, Gunsmoke, and did a couple of movies here and there, but uh, not too much. So Reese Vaughn, mostly a guest star character actor in television. Happy birthday, Reese. And our final remembrance this week goes out to uh, someone who I believe we would refer to as the First Lady of Star Trek. And if you do not know who that is, that's okay, because we'll bring you along for the ride. But most people who are Star Trek fans will know that the First Lady of Star Trek is Major Barrett Roddenberry. Um, she was all over the Star Trek franchise. Uh, I mean, she met Roddenberry. So let's just, let's just back up and say all of the things that she did. So first and foremost... Um, she appeared in The Cage, which was the inaugural episode of Star Trek. She was the first number one. Um, that episode was not aired until much, much later, so people didn't really know about her as an actress until a little bit down the road. So kind of an interesting start. But I did not realize that she actually met Lucille Ball way back in 1962 before Star Trek and actually had a contract with Desi Lu long before Star Trek. So she was definitely one of those connection pieces and there are a ton of really good documentaries and books you can read that will kind of dig into that and I encourage you to explore those. But that wasn't her only role of course. She also supplied the voice of the Enterprise computer in five of the Star Trek films spanning all three film series, uh, the original series, Next Generation, and the alternate reality series. And her most frequent portrayal in Star Trek besides the computer was of Nurse Chapel, Nurse Christine Chapel, the original on the original series and the animated series and in two of the films. People kind of remember her for the later portrayal of Luaxana Troy in The Next Generation, but her portrayal of Nurse Chapel was actually way more prolific. There were way more episodes associated. So we talked about the animated series, Next Generation. Let's step into the animated series. We have Nurse Chapel, but we also have the voice of Emress. That's right, the Cation from the animated series, voiced by Mabel Roddenberry. And uh, what I didn't realize was that her appearance in the cage in 1964 was literally her very first filmed appearance for anything. So that, to me, is something else. Major Roddenberry also had a couple of other things that she did throughout her career, including appearing on Babylon 5 back in 1996 when there was sort of a little bit of a rivalry going on between Star Trek and Babylon 5. If you were alive at the time, you may remember that. And her appearance on Babylon 5 was supposed to be a kind of bone thrown to the uh, Star Trek fans of the time. Uh, as an in-joke, Barrett was also brought in by Trekkie writer and producer Seth MacFarlane to participate in his animated series, Family Guy. Uh, she was in an episode called Emission Impossible, where she supplied the voice of Stewie's sperm ship. That's right. <laughs> Stewie's sperm ship also had the same voice 
SD Enterprise D. Guys, we could probably go on forever about Nate Roddenberry, um, but I just wanted to bring up a few things that maybe not everybody knows about her. Let's dish on her for a little bit. What a special woman, huh? You know what? I got to tell you, my uh, 1993, 1993, when I had a Star Trek convention in, in Albany, she was one of the guests. And I'll never forget, I went, me and my wife went to pick her up at the airport, and I felt like Jean-Luc Picard, because I went to pick up her bags, and I almost busted a nut. I was like, oh my God, the thing weighs 10,000 pounds. I said, what's in this? She had all her scripts, because remember, she used to do Lincoln Enterprises, and uh, she had a, she was a guest at the convention, and she brought all of her scripts, and I went to pick it up, and I was like, oh my God, I had to get a cart to wheel it through the airport because it was so heavy. And I was like, and I just, I'll never forget that. I just, I laughed so much because Mr. Holmes just kind of picks that thing up like it doesn't weigh anything. And uh, it was quite heavy. But yeah. I can say, was she there? Oh yeah, she was there. Yeah. Um, uh, her her uh, b- um, Holmes, I guess you called him. I can't remember his name. Oh, Paul yeah. Guy. Yes, Carl Striken was there, and he was at my wedding as, as well. Uh, you'll see pictures on our on our Facebook page of me and my wife and my brother with Carl Striken at our wedding. So, yes, he was, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, Majel Barrett was just absolutely charming. She loved the fans. She was great, and I, I just can't say enough about her. She's definitely missed, for sure. Well, that is it for our remembrances this week. So, Charles, why don't you kick off the rest of our birthdays? <clears throat> I'll kick off some of them. Let's start off with David Anthony Marshall, who played Magnus Henson in Star Trek Voyager's fourth season episode, Scorpion Part Two, and The Raven. Interesting that that birthday showed up today. I think I might mention those episodes again. Michael McGuire played Benarin in Star Trek Voyager's third season, Before and After. He originated the role of... I think this is, this is one of the Eric-alike. He originally rolled, rolled, uh, originally rolled the Injaris I'm not sure the pronunciation. In Les Miserables on Broadway, for which he won the 1987 Tony Award. What but a he's great the first... show! Yeah, he, the originator he, of that he, role. He originated that role. So cool. <clears throat> Mimi Kud, yeah. Mimi Kudzak played Mother Sylvia Tilly. Sioban in Star Trek Shorts episode Runaway. She's also well known for her role in Hill Street Blues as Detective Patsy Mayo. Big actor coming up, Kelsey Grammer, appeared in the role as Captain Morgan Bateson in Star Trek episode Next Generation Fifth Season Cause and Effect. He is an actor producer. He is well known for I want to go this one, is the only actor to be nominated for an Emmy Award for three television series, all for portraying the same character. 
of Fraser Crane. He, he got nominated, and I believe got success in Cheers, Frasier, and guest appearances in Wings. Hmm. He is an actor-producer. He is also known for playing the Simpsons role of Sideshow Bob in Cheers. And I believe he got a daytime Simpsons, Emmy yeah. for that one. Yep. What was that, Eric? Uh, just uh, Sideshow Bob and the Simpsons, not, Simps- not Cheers. Yep. Yes, in, in Simpsons. <clears throat> Tucker Smallwood played Admiral Bullock in Star Trek Voyager's fifth season in the flesh and the Zindi Primate Counselor in season three of Enterprise. Had a wish in his career he could play a alien in Star Trek. And with Voyager, he got his wish. Henry, no. Henry yeah. Lubati. Lubati, yeah. Lubati. Played crewman Ethan Novacek in Star Trek Enterprise's first season episode, first season episode Strange New World. And Cecilia Rose Golding played Narita Uhura in Star Trek Strange New World. If you look at her IMDb, she has two videos that she's done. Her first real big role is playing Uhura in Star Trek Strange New World. She is knocking so, it out. And yeah, she, what yeah. a big crew to fill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has got a big shoes to fill, but she's done a great job with that character. And then Paul. 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 Okay, I guess Eric can do these, and Paul's busy at a birthday party. Paul's not here, man. We're going to say yeah. uh, happy birthday this week to part- Peter Marco, who played Lieutenant Gaetano in the TOS first season episode. The Galileo 7, one of those great episodes. Happy birthday, Peter. Happy birthday as well to David A. Kimball, who played Essek in the Enterprise first season episode, Dear Doctor. Andrea Drom played Yeoman Smith in the original series first season episode, Where No Man Has Gone Before. Happy birthday, Andrea. Happy birthday as well to Paul Dooley, the Emmy Award-nominated actor who played Anabran Tain, one of the great Cardassians in Deep Space Nine in four episodes. Paul Dooley, thank you so much for your contributions to DS9, one of the best Star Treks. Richard Beimer has a birthday this week. He played Lee Nallis, also from Deep Space Nine, one of those crazy Bajorans that uh, is a political dude and a religious dude. Oh, my God, what are they doing? <laughs> That's why I love Deep Space Nine. He was in the episodes of The Homecoming, The Circle, and The Siege. Richard Beimer, happy birthday to you, sir. Happy birthday as well to Jocelyn O'Brien, who played Matena Harrow in the Next Generation third season episode, Allegiance. And my final fan birthday, or my final birthday goes out to Julianne Grossman, who portrayed the voice of the Discovery computer and the Enterprise computer on Star Trek Discovery. Got that? I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're all fans as well. Yeah. <laughs> 100% true, David. Happy birthday, Julianne. 
thank you so much for lending your voice to these new amazing amazing franchises. Jim, who do you want to say happy birthday to? Well, we want to say happy birthday to Martha Hackett, who is best known for the role of Seska in 13 episodes of Star Trek Voyager, but, but her other Star Trek role was my favorite. Unfortunately, she didn't last long. She played the Romulan Tarul, who was in charge of the cloaking device on the Defiant in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. She didn't make it through the first episode, unfortunately. But I loved her character, even as brief as she was. I thought, here we are. We had Worf on on Next Generation. Now we're going to have a Romulan, and we're going to get to learn a little bit about him. But nope, 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 nope. Every time I like a character, they bump them (laughs) off. So uh, you know what, Jim? Jim Laris is not dead yet. Laris is not dead yet. (laughs) (laughs) And I know Uh, you like her, so (laughs) unless she plays on Game of Thrones, then she might. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, happy birthday to Martha Hackett. We also want to say happy birthday to Christina Hayes, who played Marcy Collins in the Star Trek Voyager fifth season episode eleven fifty nine. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday to Greg Hurley, who portrayed Ensign Peoples in the Star Trek The Next Generation fourth season episode, Night Terrors. This, and the next couple are, are pretty big, but not as big as the last one we have to talk about. We want to say happy birthday to Gary Lockwood. And uh, who's Gary Lockwood, mm-hmm. you might say? Hmm. Mr. Well, Sparkly first eyes. of all... Gary Lockwood has a Star Trek connection. He played Lieutenant Commander Gary Mitchell in the Star Trek original series, first season episode where no man has gone before. But, but if you're long on the tooth, like myself, uh, you might remember him from perhaps one of the most epic sci-fi films ever made. In fact, I read the book a dozen times trying to figure it out, and I'm still as lost as I ever was before. Classic Arthur C. Clarke novel, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. And um, he he was in that movie. He's like like one of the main characters in that movie. Dude, like if you're a science fiction fan and you have not yet seen that movie, you have to see that movie, and you have to understand that the – that the pacing and the the kind of like je ne sais quoi of that movie is exactly the same as Star Trek the Motion Picture. So yes, it, it yeah. is. The you know what they, they I heard people complaining about 2001: A Space Odyssey, and you know what I all I can say is if they just added a little bit of sound effects, you know. Rock, but I know, some... dude. But the but the but if you but if you're from that era, and I'll just argue this: if you are a person who grew up reading like Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury, like I did, you know that there's no sound in space. So all the stuff that we hear on all of the things where there's like sound waves traveling through, like that's actually not true. So I actually appreciate the super hard sci-fi aspects of 2001 because to me, it's it's the most like actually being in space. And, and to me, the follow-up for that, if you like that type of science fiction, because even the motion picture has like V'ger playing sounds in space and that sort of stuff. But if, 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 if you want to, um, <clears throat> if you want to keep going on that, on that road, there are 
plenty of other movies that you can jump into. So, yeah, anyway, that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, if you picture Star Wars without any sound effects, you know, I mean... Yeah, uh, I mean, and actually, I mean, are, the thing is... We are, we're visually and and audiologically, I don't know... There you go, but, I like that word. Yeah, 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 that's good. You know, we, we, <laughs> like be, we, we like to be visually stimulated and audioly stimulated. Auditorially, you know, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yes. So... Um, you know, people that, that are just bored with the movie because there's no sound effects. I completely get what you're saying, but you want to catch an audience of today, you got to have some rockets. You got to have some effects to keep people, you know, stimulated. But it's a great movie. It is. And the best series, in my opinion, that brought that back more recently leans into the visuals a little more heavily, but the Expanse series is extremely good in in portraying like that hard sci-fi, like, you know, what does it mean to actually have to flip your rocket around and decelerate as you're approaching a planet? Or what does it actually mean to have no sound in space as you're firing machine guns? Or, you know, it's that series actually almost got the, the hard sci-fi aspects of it right the same way that 2001 did. Well, you know what they said in Alien in space, no one can no hear one you can scream. hear you scream. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so the next birthday um, on our list goes out to a, an individual who uh, I think is very happy to be in the Star Trek family because he's really close friends with Will Wheaton. That's right, Will Wheaton and Jerry O'Connell were in an awesome movie in 1986 called Stand by Me. But that's not all. Jerry O'Connell also uh, was in Sliders. You guys remember that TV show? Oh, uh, sure, yeah. yeah. For a couple of years, he was in yep. Sliders. Uh, he was also in a movie that, I, I'm into these cheesy type movies. He was in Piranha 3D as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> yeah. um, so, I like those kind of movies. My wife hates them, but I just like Jeez. Jim, I have to ask you this question. Have you have you yet seen Lamageddon? No. no. You have, have to see not. this movie called Lamageddon. I think it's on Netflix. It's like a Borg llama. Dude, you gotta see it. Jerry <laughs> <laughs> O'Connell. And why, pray tell, are we mentioning him now? Well, because Jerry O'Connell happens to be married to the first officer of the USS Enterprise on Strange New Worlds. That's right. And he's also first officer of the USS Cerritos on Star Trek Lower Decks. He plays Jack Ransom. So happy Star Trek birthday to Jerry O'Connell. And uh, my last big birthday before we get to the super big birthday uh, goes out to our favorite Borg, Jerry Ryan. She's best known for playing Seven of Nine on Star Trek Voyager from the fourth season on. And, of course, she made her first appearance in full board gear in Scorpion Part 2, and she reprised her role most recently on Star Trek Picard. And I got to say that I was not a fan of Voyager until Jerry Ryan came along, and not, not for the reasons that a lot of people like to pin on her, but... Um, I just found the fact that we're going to learn about a Borg, and that fascinated me. 
and and instead of just the one-dimensional resistance is futile, you would be assimilated. We actually got fleshed out actual character who sings songs with a holographic doctor, and and was a was an actual character. And I really really got into it at that point. So well, and happy Jim, birthday. as a like as a fan of Voyager, I will say that one of the best things about bringing Seven into Voyager was that it actually made Janeway better. Like it gave her a focus for her energy. It gave her somebody to mentor. It gave her, you know, so many opportunities that she didn't have an outlet for as the captain. So I, I just like one of the reasons I love Seven is not because of the bodysuit, but because she actually made Janeway better. She's she's a she was a great character. I I really her and the doctor. I thought they played well together because here's a hologram oh, teaching a board. Picard is amazing. Love- yeah. So uh, I, she's awesome, and uh, she's great on Picard too. We're going to talk about her in a little bit. So happy birthday to Jerry Ryan! And I always save the Klingons for last. I always save the best for last. Um, uh, this next birthday is not a Klingon birthday, but we can send out a hearty kapla anyways. Uh, we want to say a very very special happy birthday uh, to Paul's son he's at his party right now anthony and we want to say happy birthday to anthony and i don't personally know anthony but uh eric you want to say a little something about anthony for uh anthony's anthony's a super cool kid um he's definitely one of those kids who is interested in a lot of different things and uh, doing different things in his life so yeah i'm just so excited that to have paul as part of the podcast and to be celebrating his amazing family and to be celebrating uh, Anthony's birthday today. Happy birthday, Anthony. Uh, he's right there at the same age as my kid, basically. They're, they go to the same school. So it's, uh, you know, I know his family well, and it just really, uh, they mean a lot to me. So, so, yeah, happy birthday, Anthony. And, Anthony, because it's your birthday, whenever we have these special birthdays for people who aren't on Star Trek, we have a very special theme song, birthday theme song that we play for birthdays just like yours. It's a special song by Weird Al Yankovic, and uh, this one goes out to you, Anthony. Happy birthday. Well, there's a punk in the alley, and he's looking for a bite. There's an Arab on the corner buying everything inside. There's a mother in the ghetto with another mouth of feet. Seems that everywhere you look today, there's misery and greed. I guess you know the earth is going to crash into the sun, but that's no reason why we shouldn't have a little fun. So if you think it's scary, if it's more than you can take, just blow out the candles and have a piece of cake. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Anthony. All right, guys, this is it. Time for Picard Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation. And, of course, of course, I have a brand new trailer to play for you guys. This is the um, This Year on Star Trek Picard trailer. This will kind of wet your whistle and get you pumped. Here we go, the brand new trailer for Star Trek Picard. Who is it out there? I don't know. 
So it's us and the boogeyman. The edge of space. No cavalry in sight. I have to keep digging. I'm with Starfleet Intelligence, but they are blind to something big. Battle stations. You left the second Jean-Luc called and put half a galaxy between us. about the aesthetic everything was so dark and dreary gave it a nine top fan michael childers said a strong nine great start and a nice subtle tribute to jerry goldsmith's movie themes totally agree michael josh miles parker also gave it a nine i'm with the others who wondered how shaw got a captaincy and why would they assign starfleet's only remaining xb to a guy who hates xbs this puts the nail in the coffin of a Captain Show Titan series. Ooh, Josh, you might be right, sir. Let's talk about that. Top fan Pharaoh Antasutiken said, absolutely amazing, definitely a 10, from the music to the Riker-Picard chemistry and the conflict of Seven of Nine doing what she thought was right but being forced to give up her identity, basically. This is going to be a hell of a ride. Thank you, Pharaoh. Laura Melanie Collins said, A10, finally seeing Gates doing some, some great acting. If she had been directed like this in TNG, I would have disliked her character as I did. So I wouldn't have disliked her character as I did. So she's saying that if Gates had had more action, she would have liked her better back in the day. Thanks, Laura. Nelson Reyes said, I'd give it a 10. There's a lot of stuff going on that caught my attention right away. Some parts reminded me of Star Trek Three. I don't like Captain Shaw and how he treats Seven, Riker, and Picard. Ooh, let's talk more about that. Forte Langer said 10. Why? Because of everything. Put into this was from love of the characters and their relationships. The music was phenomenal. Great score. Great nods to past themes. I'm glad they aren't taking themselves too seriously, but the stakes felt real. Seven's resistance to just following orders was a deep cut. 
Ms. Ryan is a great actress. I've already watched this twice. Thank you, Forte. Hugo Schmidt said nine because if that guy is the love child of Picard and Crusher, I can't give it a ten. What a trope. <laughs> Thanks, Hugo. <laughs> I might be with you on that. Bill W. Bell said definitely a 9.5. I thought the video graphic of the Titan leaving space dock was absolutely amazing in 4K. Plus, the storyline got off to a good start. Thanks, Bill. Craig Cauldron said 10. On the music alone, they wove in so many different themes. TOS, TNG, First Contact, bam, bam, bam. Thank you, Craig. And John Tanaka said a 9. I can't give it a 10 because I found it a bit too curious in the writing for Captain Shaw. Though noted by Riker as being difficult, Shaw claimed to be big on a rigid protocol but failed to display the respect he should have for Picard. Even Captain Jellico showed a modicum of respect for Picard and Riker. Perhaps his behavior is just who he is and will be presented in subsequent episodes. Yeah, you might be right, John. We'll have to kind of wait and see what's going on there. And top fan Craig Levely said a 10 with a solid exclamation point. Not sold on all of the dark, hazy scenes, but the music score? Woo! That gives us a fan score of 9.6. And I'm just noticing a lot of themes related to music and people and just all sorts of fun stuff. But we don't want to go there quite yet because, Charles, you love to take us through our cadet training, right? Oh, boy, do I. The theme song. <clears throat> well, I'm only going to touch a little bit on it. There's a lot more we could touch on this episode. We don't have, we don't have a half hour to go through cadet, cadet training. I will mention on a side note that there are are musical references and stuff to Star Trek's two and three, and I think there's some other movie re- uh, movie references and music. But let's start right off at the beginning on non-track theme. That opening song, the first thing I looked at that, heard that song, and thought, "Wait, Fallout Three? I don't want to set the world." Fire. That was the theme song for the video game Fallout 3, and I think it was the theme in Fallout 4. Oh, Beverly Crusher, the opening. Let's talk about that opening scene we see. Our from the Big Goodbye, Season 1, Episode 12. The flowers we saw from Cause and Effect, Season 5, Episode 18. <clears throat> All those masks, the drama and the comedy masks, a reminder of us that Beverly's Love of Theater references Ends Degrees, Season 4, Episode 19, Frame of Mind, episode, Season 6, Episode 21, Disaster, Season 5, Episode 5, and A Fistful of Data, Season 6, Episode 8. We see Jack Crusher's uh, Possessions. We go back that one to Family, Season 4, Episode 2. We get references to Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and 2. Season 3, Episode 26, Season 4, Episode 1. 
We've got the Karen Beverly's ship and the reference to Hellbird. We can go all the way back to TLS The Cage. By reference, Season 0, Episode 1. We mentioned Rigel 5 or Rigel 6. Rigel, excuse me, Rigel 6 or Rigel 7. Rigel 7 is where the planet Pike visits. Picard, Season 1. And The Last Best Hope. Hard novel. We get a lot of references to Daystrom Institute. Suspicions. Season 6, episode 22. Before leaving Space Stock, Kevin mentions the Metrophagic Shield is ready. Beverly Crush clear the name of Dr. Raja, a Ferengi scientist to invent this type of shield. Yesterday's Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 15. <clears throat> the Red Lady is Captain Rachel Gitt, Captain of the Enterprise C. Scorpion, Part 2, Season 4, Episode 1. Dark Frontier, Season 5, <clears throat> Episode 16. We need to learn about Annika Henson's origin. And why she call why they go by Annika instead of seven. And then a fun one I thought to throw in there <clears throat> was Lorex. The series. That's a bunk bed. You see the two of them on bunk bed on the ship. And the first thing I thought was like, Oh hey, those are very similar. What's the bunk beds they sit on on? Lower decks. So I think I did a good chance of getting in there on what I could have a lot of research and daily touch on what we did with with this episode. Yeah. So yeah, Jim, I think you want to talk about the I uh, talk about a captain. Yeah, we heard a lot of references to Captain Shaw. So I put up a question on our Facebook page and I asked you guys, our Facebook fans. What are your thoughts about Captain Liam Shaw of the USS Titan A? And here's what our Facebook fans had to say. Uh, Just Called said, he's the villain. The reason why Crusher cannot trust Starfleet. Who'll be arrested by the end of the season, making way for Captain Seven. Rhonda Karen said, not a fan of him. I'm sure it will soon be revealed why he's so nasty. Hopefully there's a good reason behind it. As an actor... I'm sure he's thrilled, and rightly so, that so many people have strong feelings about his character. It means he's doing a good job. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amy Marichick says, So far, I really dislike him. Not because he denied their request, but his blatant disregard for someone's chosen name and insisting they use a name they are not comfortable with. And he's <laughs> as we seeing red. I hope Seven gets a chance to make him see the error of his ways. Travis Hearthcote says, seemed more pretentious version of Edwin Jellicoe. Didn't think it was possible to look like someone more than Captain Jellicoe. Excellent performance by Todd Stashwood. Top fan George Williams says, he's interesting. When they come in and he's already started eating with an immediate thing about what he thinks of the <laughs> 
your reprobation and preceded you into the room. Ah, ah, ah. And last, we have Chris Harrison, who said he came across as a real jerk, giving Picard and Riker accommodations that are worse than what the Lower Decks and Star Trek Lower Decks had, and on the USS Titan. Boimler got a whole room to himself on the Titan as only an ensign. So let's let's talk about Captain Liam. What do you guys say? Oh, man. He's like, for me, you guys, I put him a little bit right now, even though we, we haven't seen too much of it. We've only seen one episode, right? But he's a little bit in that Kai Wen sort of category for me where – I love that he has such a chip on his shoulder. He obviously hates Borgs. He probably, there's been a lot of supposition online and and clues given in the show that perhaps he lost a family member or or somebody he cared about, perhaps in the Battle of Wolf 359, which to me gives him a, a super chip on his shoulder about being assigned Annika Hansen. Now, now let's be clear. I don't, like we we sort of have this um, idea that captains can just like pick whoever they want as their first officers. There is a there is a thing where they get assigned first officers as well. So I'm not saying that I know that that's the case here. Um, so either he was assigned her and he's reacting negatively to her because of his personal experience, or he really is a complete jerk masochist and actually. Uh, selected her as his first officer just so that he could berate her. But I, I completely agree with, um, with one of our fans here who said something about the, the thing that makes him really, really evil and devious, which is why I, I like him. I hope that's okay. I mean, people, people say they don't like him because of that. But to me, I'm, I'm with the person who said, if you're so evil that I hate you so much that when I see you on screen, then you're, you're absolutely doing your job. But the thing that really brings it home for him is the fact that he won't use her name, right? We all know that as an adult, she has chosen to keep the name Seven and to be referred to as Seven. And that Annika Hansen is a, is a different life for her. That's like, that's like taking a trans person and using their dead name, right? You just, you just like wouldn't do it, um, but he does it. So to me, <laughs> I hate him so much, and that's why I love him so much. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, I have him on I have him on Twitter, and um, I kind of I said I I posted on one of the posts. I said, well, we have Captain Riker, we have Admiral Picard, and we have First Officer Seven, and we have we have you. I said one of one of them is not going to make it through the first episode, and I said, you. <laughs> and he answered. Back. He responded to me at the end of the first episode. And he said, "Well, I made it so far," and I, I, I said, "Well, it's only the first episode. Let's see if you get through the next one." <laughs> he's pretty cool. If you follow him on Twitter, he's pretty cool. He really is. I do. I, I, I like the actor a lot. I can't stand the character. He disrespected. <laughs> um, he disrespected Seven, and he disrespected Riker and Picard uh, just by eating without them. Was was a, yeah. a complete. Oh yeah, he was a total jerk about that. That was not meeting them on the bridge yeah. was a sign yeah. of respect. Uh, telling Picard 
when he gave him the line, oh, well, I'm a malt guy, was, a, was disrespect. Telling Riker that I purged all that jazz that someone was disrespect. I mean, he disrespected them every single step of the way and then put them in bunk beds, which was the ultimate. Uh, I mean, this guy is like a jerk of all jerks. So okay, far. okay, Jim. Okay, Jim. But but here's like here's one. Okay, he is absolutely a jerk. There's no question. But here is another way to look at this, right? When when we all know Picard and Riker and all of them really well, we have been on every single one of their adventures. We've seen the context within which they operate, right? We know why they made the crazy choices. We know how the Enterprise D got crashed and that it kind of made sense and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Shaw doesn't know that stuff. And so from an outside perspective, he sees a reckless captain who has lost a ship, you know, who has um, uh, not come through with his promises on the whole, like, Romulan star blowing up thing. Like, like to him – Maybe he is really a man of super duper rules. Like one of the things I noticed is that in this episode, right, when they first come aboard, the staff is totally at rigid attention, right? So he runs a super duper tight ship. Now, we all say to ourselves, okay, well, that, that's pretty unfriendly. And yeah, it probably is unfriendly, but there is a time and place for that kind of like hyper – um, vigilance that he portrays. So I, I'm not defending the the way the guy is treating Picard and Riker. Let's be clear. It, he's being an absolute jerk to them. But he probably has an outlook that is more complex than him just being an asshole. You know what I mean? Like he, well, I, I think there's, there's a simple respect. You don't have to like someone <clears throat> or agree with them to respect their positions. Yeah. Right, but if you what, think they're a they danger, are, if if you think they're an actual danger and that they're actually detrimental to the to the outlook of the federation then you might treat them differently in that case. Well, Maybe. I don't I don't I don't think Here's as a starfleet officer that you would that you would act the way he did to another officer whether you like yeah. him or not. I just, I just It sounds like well, he has a personal the, vendetta against uh, Picard. Oh, for sure. And, and, for sure. Yeah. I'm hoping, he lost a family member or somebody. I'm, I'm hoping that as the series goes on, that will change. Um, and, and we'll get to see why he's being such a dink. Um, okay, here's an interesting theory. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just thinking, like, what if he's the father of the woman of that ship who's hunting down Picard? That could be. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Well, here's here's something to think about. Unusual. Have you ever seen a? You're in a space station. When have you? When have you ever seen where the captain doesn't launch the ship from that station? When it's under going under a new voyage, have we ever seen a captain not be in the seat when that launches? When you pass it on to your number one, yeah, to launch the ship out of the space station. Yeah, I mean he, he was definitely. Tired. Yeah, he was tired. He had to go take a nap. He said. <laughs> so it does make you. It does make you wonder in the same way that the admirals do. Like, how did this guy get to become a captain? Right, if he's in Starfleet, <laughs> he like 
he he has to have some kind of people skill. There's some value that this guy has because otherwise, it's just it would just be bad writing as to why somebody who has absolutely no skill would actually be given a position, right? That's not very Starfleet. Well, I was waiting for him to say, oh, well, we're going to launch the, the shuttle probe next Tuesday. We don't have them yet. I was waiting for that line. <laughs> you know? I don't think he was as bad as Harriman, but... <laughs> Here's another thought. What if the Captain Shaw guy is actually one of the top officials of like Starfleet Intelligence who had been talking with um, uh, what's her face, the intelligent lady, Rafi. What if he was actually talking to Rafi this whole time as head of Starfleet security or intelligence or whatever? Uh, there's, a, there's a belief who she's talking to. I don't think it's him. There's a clue just... and I think we know who that is. I, uh, I, he's a, I mean, I, he's awesome on Twitter. I just, uh, <laughs> gotta be a reason why they're writing the character that way. That's um, what I'm saying, right? Like they don't yeah, just there's, there's, take a character and make them bad for, for the it. sake of them being a bad guy. There's going to be something yeah. deeper here. There's got to be a reason why he's, he's doing this and, and, and not following proper Starfleet protocol, protocol. that we've seen over yeah. and over and over again on various other shows, why he's just disregarding that and going right for douchebaggery. Um, well, it's, it's, it's just, be, let's be careful. Like, douchebaggery is not necessarily anti-Starfleet. Like, everybody has their own management style. And, you know, just because somebody is an asshole doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad captain. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. I it, it goes on that. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't act that way to my boss. <laughs> no, no. I just want to be. I just want to be careful that we don't form like too hasty of opinions about him until we actually know a little bit more about him. Well, based on what we know and what we've seen, he is a douchebag class A. Absolutely. You can't deny. It. I mean, there's, there is there's no, no denying doubt. that. No. <laughs> I mean, regardless of what pro, I mean, even even Cisco, who had problems with Picard wasn't that douchebaggery when they first met, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm actually starting to agree with Eric a little bit more. Maybe it had something to do with Wolf 359, like he lost somebody because the card was Lucretis, Lucretis, whatever, how you say it. Um, <laughs> uh, he probably has a personal vendetta because of him being a Borg, and he probably lost somebody during that battle. It's like Sitko. Kind of had the same yeah. attitude. I'm hoping we find out, because he's, he's great on Twitter, so I'm hoping he doesn't <laughs> stay that way forever. I'm hoping that something happens and we find out. But at well, any rate... That's... Look at the fact, look at the fact that we had a captain that we really liked in Lorca. And look how Lorca turned on us. True. So they they can write some captains very interesting and you're Ooh, he's a mere universe you, guy. You don't you don't you don't sit there and we we've learned from the series. Watch out for the clues and be careful. You never know what they're planning. Little <laughs> subtleties, just... subtleties can mean big things later on. Well, and the well, real the question is, what was, what was this? Means he's, Sorry, been, he's, 
the fact that we're talking about him means he's been written well enough that we're talking That's, about. Yeah. That is what I'm saying. Exactly. That is why I like his character because he's, you know? he's so evil. He's like Kai Wen. You hate him so much that you want to talk about him. I just yeah. – that's why yep. I think he's brilliant. And uh, let's – before we – because we are running out of time pretty quick. Uh, there's another little bit that comes up here, and we are introduced to a character that is Wesley Crusher's uh, stepbrother, um, Beverly Crusher's son. Mm-hmm. And I asked everybody on our Facebook page, I said – we have been introduced to Beverly Crusher's son, but we don't know who the father is. Who do you think the father is? And Charles, what did our Facebook fans have to say to that question? Okay. Let's not say half-brother yet or step-brother. We don't know details. Nicholas Ferrero, my theories. Using Jack's DNA, she either cloned or artificially imprinted herself, and she doesn't want Starfleet involved because it somehow involved genetically modified or breaking unique laws or <laughs> ghost candle. <laughs> ghost candle. <laughs> yeah. Even... I go with that one. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the ghost candle. Yeah. David Stanton. It's a tough call. The writers want that cliffhanger in Brit accent makes you think it's JPL, and it could be. But I feel like perhaps too early. Even the short-ended season we have with streaming networks, now even to get confirmation other, either way. Top fan, of Hansen. She left all of them over 20 years ago. Probably right she found out she's pregnant. And whom did she have relations with? A ghost and Picard, <laughs> as we know. The ghost. Two votes for the ghost. <laughs> yeah, we got two votes for the ghost. <laughs> uh, Hugh I love our, our Facebook fans are the best. I got to tell you. They're the best. They're the best. Yeah. Okay. Hugo Schmidt. I will really be disappointed if it's Picard. Try is better than that. I hope he's a clone of Jack Crusher. Tom Salazar. I kind of hoped it was a clone of Jack Crusher because that wouldn't have been that would have been cool, but he's probably Riker. <laughs> <There's> Whoa, a... <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> it explains why they're having troubles right now. <laughs> he doesn't have a beard. Oh, I just... <laughs> he's too young. Too young for that. Uh. Carmelia Wilmore. Come on, come on. At this point, you already know who it, it is. My goodness, you know it's Picard. Mm. Oh, all right. So, well, our fans are in disagreement on this one. There's, there's, there's two really good theories right here, as far as I'm concerned. I had not previously considered the clone of Jack Crusher. Well, uh, and given that his name is Jack, I think that's kind of interesting, uh, especially as it relates to genetic manipulation and the Illyrians and the eugenic stuff and all that kind of stuff. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an interesting angle that I hadn't really thought about before. Hilariously, my second favorite angle is absolutely the ghost candle. 
Um, that just, <laughs> <laughs> just cracks me up. <laughs> At first, I didn't know what that meant, but now I remember in the episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we yeah, I, I posted a picture on our Facebook page of Beverly holding up the ghost candle. So you guys enjoy and check that out. Oh, yeah. She's actually got the prop from the episode, and she's holding it up. So yeah, there could be something with the ghost candle yeah. thing. <laughs> It's interesting the fact that she still has Jack's personal effects that she keeps with her. Yeah, right out in the open, right? Not not yeah, like right in the back the of the open. closet. Right would you, there, yeah. you, I would think most people like Picard put a lot of that stuff in storage. She yeah. still keeps it with her. So, Well, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go way out on the limb, and I'm going to say right now, right here, that I think it's Picard's son, and if it's not, I would be extremely disappointed if it's not wow. his son. Okay, and the so reason you're the be- opposite of some of our fans. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Because if you watched season one and you watched season two, the the whole emphasis of season one and season two, and you heard Picard say it over and over again, he's the last Picard, he has no legacy. His family's dead, Rene is dead, and he's the end. He's the last. He's the all of it. They've been hammering that home in the first two seasons. So that's obviously a big issue with Picard. So therefore, it has to be his son so that he does have a legacy to carry on. And that's that's just my opinion. I don't have any connections with Paramount. They don't call me up and say, what do you think about this, Jim? All right? Just just based on what, what they did with season one and what they did with season two, and now we have Jack in season three, if it turns out to be the ghost candle or Riker <laughs> or something else, I would be disappointed because I want Jean-Luc to have the legacy that he so badly wants. So yeah. I'm hoping that it's Jean-Luc's kid, and, and those are the reasons why. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, Jim, and I'll say that, to me, that fits perfectly with Picard season one, the outgrowth of him kind of, you know, saying goodbye to Data, extending his own life, and, and that whole legacy issue is is a big weight that I think Picard bears wherever he goes. Season two kind of ignored that, but to bring it back in season three, I think, is pretty is a pretty interesting idea. Um, what I do think is also interesting is that a lot of our fans said, well, I hope it's not Picard's because that feels tropey to me. And I'm, and I'm interested, I wish we had some callers because I'd love to know more about why people feel like that is tropey to me. Uh There's the, there's always been a, um, connection between, you know, Picard and, and the doctor that, has never been fully realized, and there was a lot of foreplay. There was a lot of um, bouncing off each other and being friends and, like, having really deep personal connections without romanticism in TNG. Um, To me, it doesn't feel tropey to to have him be Picard's son, but that's just just me speaking. So, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any ideas as to why that might feel tropey. Well, well that, I, the other thing I didn't, I didn't mention ahead, was that well, Terry Metallus said there were going to be a lot of connections to the Star Trek movies. We hear the Star Trek 2 theme song a lot. 
And what was one of the biggest things that happened in Star Trek II? Carol Marcus came back, and Kirk found out he had a son. So it just makes perfect sense to me that Beverly Carol Marcus Picard. Uh, that's another reason. So I, mean, I could be totally wrong. It might be a clone, might be the ghost candle, might be Riker, could be the milkman. I, I don't know. I have no insight, but uh, <laughs> that's just my thought. What were you going to say? What were you, what, what were you going to say, uh, Charles? I, say I was, I was going to bring the Carol Marcus of suddenly you have a son issue, and do they want to revisit that same issue again? Right. And I think that's now, part of the trope uh, discussion, Charles, is that people feel like it's a story recycled, right? And it doesn't feel yeah. to them like um, like a fresh story. It feels like something we've absolutely seen before. And and to like just put Picard into the same slot as Kirk in that is kind of boring, honestly. Yeah. And the thing is, we talk about their relationship, but... They started with that relationship and kind of backed off of it. You didn't really see that much relationship. Yes, you did see totally their marriage in the last episode, which we knew was alternate universe, which didn't occur. But I don't know if they were still having the, that big of a relationship by the end of that end of the movies. Well, it's been there, but I don't think I saw it in later seasons. I don't think I saw it in the movies. No, I, I would totally agree, Charles, but the thing was is that there was always the threat of it, right? It was always kind of hanging out in the background, and I love that line that he says in this episode where, well, first of all, I love that the first 13 or 14 minutes of this episode is just Picard and Laris. I thought that was really special to – Yep. to show their current relationship and how she is actually talking to him about previous relationships, whether it's, you know, romantic or not, somebody who obviously meant an awful lot to him. It just shows how the kind of love that she has for Picard and the kind of things that she's willing to like dig in into with him. So yep. I, I just really love the Lara scenes for the first third of this episode were were some of my favorite and then right yeah, after I'm, that you get the like you get the picard and Riker in the bar scene which is the second best scene <laughs> i'm glad well, that they so many... forget laris too i thought it would because they specifically honed in on that at the end of season two and if they had started out season three and left that unresolved it would have been a big hole but i'm glad that they did what they did yeah well even even that scene with Picard, I didn't go through the details and get a review on that one. That picture is important. He had the flute, which is important. He had a Bajoran uh, award they'd received. That's another reference. That room, all kinds of references. Even uh, the mention of Geordi. Yep. Mm-hmm. But but we did find out, Charles, right, that spring cleaning is entirely human. It's not a Romulan thing. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, here's an interesting theory about Beverly's son would be, what if it is Picard's son, but it was through genetics? That's why Beverly never uh, told him that to bring Starfleet. 
because it's, it was outlawed, and so maybe she is a genetic uh, modification, kind of like Khan. And this whole series, uh, this whole season seems like it is going the direction of Wrath of Khan. You got the vendetta hunting them down, and it's just the idea that there's a lot of, you know, that kind of references. So I'm wondering if there's like some sort of genetic manipulation involved with Picard DNA and Beverly. So well, hmm. there has, there definitely has to be a really good reason that she's being hunted that hasn't been revealed yet. Like either she did some stuff to some people, or I mean, like for people to be chasing her. The, the implication from Ready Room was that she and her son have been being chased for years. Yeah. And so there's and so there's some kind of thing going on there that is like deeper than just she pissed a few people off, right? Like she something happened that is causing or or the kid is like a wunderkind or something and he's being chased because he's going to like be the next traveler or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I don't disagree well, with you David. Like I I I could see I could see Crusher doing a thing where she was like, you know what? I ain't got no man, but here's this dude that I've been pining after for years and years and years. I've got a small amount of his genetic material. Let's just, uh, you know, just make a little copy on the side. And by the way, I don't want to really, really let anybody know about it, so I'm going to disappear. Uh, so. Yeah. She's been gone for over 20 plus years, so. Yeah. Hmm. So let's Can't talk to find about out. where. <laughs> We're running out of time, so I want to make sure we can each get our time to score the episode and talk about the episode. Um, okay. So I just wanted to say, first, I loved the beginning. Uh, I, the Laris stuff was great, and I'm glad they did that. Uh, Riker and Picard going to Guinan's bar, and they're giving away starships, and no one wants the Enterprise D. Um, that was hilarious. The fat um, one. Nobody wants the fat the one. The fat one. The Hellbird <laughs> virus, which was a, which was a specific reference to something that we did not know happened in Best of Both Worlds. Riker says while he was Locutus, their computers were infected with the Hellbird virus, which added a three to the end of all the navigation. Uh, I don't recall that from the episode. So no, and that, that, was, that was obviously an East, like a setup for something that's coming later. Yeah, yeah so that was there. I, I caught that. Um, so the, the music blew me away. I mean, me, me and Karen were sitting there watching it, and I'm like, this, this, this is like watching a movie. I mean, the music just, wow, outstanding, outstanding music. I really like how they have the opening credits at the end, and they play the first contact theme song, and then mm-hmm. it goes into TNG, and at the end of this episode, uh, they dedicated it to the Boar Queen. Uh, who just passed away recently. Um, that was just outstanding, I thought. Classy and outstanding. Uh, Picard and Riker inspecting the ship, and <laughs> Riker walking up, Picard walking up to the guy and straightening up his uh, badge. There was a guy that was that was spying on them in the bar who also was a crew member on the Titan when they were walking by and they made a point of showing him. So there's another character we haven't met yet who coincidentally shows up in both places. I'm waiting to find out who that guy is. Um, Seven was great. I thought in this episode, Um, exactly what you would think she would be from being on Voyager. 
You know, she did what she thought was right, and it was I, I loved her for it. We already talked about the captain, so I don't want to cover that again. Um, the ship. The ship. The Titan A. I'm a little bit disappointed in that because, for me, they already had a new ship design in the Titan. Why would they go back to an ancient ship from 200 years ago and use the same design. To me, it feels like super mm-hmm. uber fan service. And what, um, uh, what, sh- what ship design did they reuse? The Neo Constitution class for the Titan. Um, I just just wish they had used a different ship. I don't know why they felt in a Kira ship. <laughs> I just it's not, it's you not know. exactly a Neo Constitution either. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what Riker called it in the episode. The new yeah. Neo Constitution. He said that right on the screen, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it just—it's—it it's looks just like the Enterprise. The saucer section. If you look at it, it, looks exactly like the Enterprise A. It's got the same windows in the front and everything. And uh, yeah. shape is similar. It's all the same type of design too. It's just a little bit crunch smaller for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's a little—it's—it's it's very, 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 very similar. And um, you know. I want to see the writers of the show and the people producing the show not be afraid to be creative and do their thing like they did with the Klingons in the season one of Discovery, and um, which I love. Uh, when I feel that they're being swayed by the complaining of the people on Facebook and on the Internet to give the fans something that they think the fans want rather than giving the fans what the what the artists, the creators themselves want to do, that's when I get queasy and I felt that way about the Titan A. Other than that, I absolutely loved this episode and I personally scored it a 10. So there you have it. Wow. Who wants to jump in next? Uh, I guess Uh, I'll go ahead next. Um, All right. Take it away, David. I am really super curious about that spy in the bar as well who dumped the Enterprise micro-machine-looking ship into the cup. <laughs> um, I, I I thought that whole bar scene was a little strange where they had a lot of what looks like Eagle Moss-type uh, ships that are just on the display case, you know, just a bunch of Enterprise Ds. I didn't actually get the idea that they were giving them away or something and nobody wanted them, but um, now I kind of need to go back and rewatch that. But, um, I thought that was a little strange that there was just a whole lot of those ships everywhere. I was like, okay, this is totally a reference to the, the TV series. No, no, you know, it's not, nothing bad about that. But um, I really enjoyed the um, the suspense at the very end. I'm kind of glad they cut it there at the very end when the ship was disappearing out in, out of the cloud dust cloud and so I was like oh man that makes me really want to watch the episode too but I had to wait a whole week <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I'm going to definitely be watching it tonight um, so I like the suspense I like the story plot so far I'm really um, excited for this particular season because the other two seasons were okay they just for some reason uh, yeah it just kind of fell for me toward the middle and stuff. I'm really hoping this one doesn't do it. I'm hoping it will just continue going up and up and up because this, this particular season, since it's their last, and like they said in the Will Wheaton 
um, uh, what did they call it? The, uh, the ready, what's room. That? ready room. There you go. Thank you. The ready room. They mentioned uh, when they brought in the um, the director. He mentioned that they're, they're basically going all out. You know, this is their last adventure. This is their last stand or whatever how you said it. But yeah, they're bringing everything in that everybody remembers from the TNG. So I'm really excited for that. And um, overall, uh, yeah, this this particular episode is definitely high up on my list right now because I like the music. I've always loved the, the, the TNG movie music. I've always thought they were the best music I've heard for a Star Trek theme song. And uh, I'm, I'm glad they put those in. Um, Beverly, seeing Beverly right away was top-notch. That was an interesting take on starting an episode because that was like the first character that you thought of when, um, you know, they're bringing everybody back because we haven't seen Beverly Crusher or any of the other t- TNT cast, I suppose. But for some reason, I was really hoping Beverly Crusher would be there because she's she's one of my favorite doctors. <laughs> so, yeah, overall, um, this particular episode, ah, yeah, I'm up there with Jim. I'm giving it a 10. Well, what do you think, Eric? Uh, well, I agree with a lot of the stuff you guys said. I guess the one character that we haven't even touched on yet that I thought was had kind of a super cool story here too was Rafi. Um, you know, we kind of get this sense in this episode that she is maybe back into drugs. She's in the underground. You know, um, shady stuff's going on. And there's this amazing scene where she gets she gets these drugs, she pays for these drugs, she gets them, and then she fights against her own inner demons and and puts them down and kind of sticks to her mission and doesn't end up uh, partaking in those. So I, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, Rafi was the character that I felt they did the most disservice to in season two, so I'm really excited to see them hopefully take a, a more interesting bent on her character in season three, I can't wait to see how all of that stuff kind of starts to intersect with the Picard story that's going on right now. Um, I already mentioned that I really dug the the list stuff at the beginning. I thought that was really good. Seeing Crusher, of course, as uh, you know, doctor, I think that everybody loves that. I think that she really likes that. She talked quite a lot about it. Uh, about that at um, at Fan Expo Portland here. Uh, she likes that kind of like just different way of portraying um, Crusher. You know, she she feels like she did a lot of diagnosing back in the day and didn't get a chance to really kick butt very much. So um, so I think that was cool. And then I'll just, uh, my own thoughts on the Titan A. Um, you know, it's interesting, Jim, the, the, I don't, I don't really mind the design of the ship. The only part that I didn't like was that they call it a refit. Uh, you know, if you look at the Luna class ship, it's, it's like a totally different ship. I mean, it's not even close. And, you know, I refit has always been a little bit of a, I don't quite understand refit. And I think that there are some questions in the Star Trek universe as to what refit exactly means. Um, And in this case, uh, entirely different ship doesn't necessarily equal refit to me. So I actually like the design of the ship. I think the nacelles look really cool. 
um, and they don't just look like the Neo-Constitution. They've got a wiggle to them that, that we've never seen as far as I know, unless people are playing games that I don't, you know. Certainly in canon, we've never seen this like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, David probably has more information on that. But in canon, we've never seen nacelles that look like that. And in canon, we've never seen a ship that has a saucer section that looks like that either. And the way that it you know, is kind of truncated in the back and engages with the main hull in, in kind of a weird way. So I don't know. I, I like the design of the ship. Um, I, I don't think it's a beautiful ship, but I think it's interesting. So I don't know. That's my, that's my take on the Titan A. So yeah, I, I want to give uh, Charles plenty of time to, to chat here, but uh, I'll just say that, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give this one a nine. Like to me, <clears throat> it was really, really good there there are a couple of things that I would love to I would have loved to just a little bit more Rafi personally um, and the the idea that there's just a big bad guy that's hunting us I mean that kind of feels like we've seen that story before so I just I really hope that that story gets interesting because right now it's kind of like oh my god peril right season one episode or season three episode one Extreme peril. Ah, everybody's freaking out. And and that just is kind of like, oh, my God, I've seen that over and over again. So hopefully that story becomes really interesting. I don't know. What do you think, Charles? All right. Well, just an FYI, since we've been chatting a little bit, I'm going to put her score in with ours. But, okay, David's reference. Why are they giving away all these ships? Was well, the reason they're giving away all these ships. They're getting ready to celebrate the 250th anniversary, Frontier Day. If you look at the date, it's not Frontier Day is the creation of Starfleet. This goes back to an Archer launched the Enterprise, the NX. Ah. It's a big celebration. That's why they got all these ships and they're doing all this celebration. Because the big anniversary to back Archer. Okay, references to Beverly. <clears throat> I really liked Beverly in action figure. Because if you listen back to interviews, women had to be feminine back in the TNG era. They couldn't be the big acts. They were limited to what action they could do. Even Leslie's talked about that issue. We don't have those restrictions anymore. The women can be as tough as the men are. So we get to see a figure that nobody, you look at Bacon Riker and they said, man, okay, she's fighting. We haven't seen this out of her before. That's because it's the first time and for her, she's able, been able to do this kind of action. And they're letting her do it. Yeah, in fact, they talked about that during the ready room, right, Charles, where they, uh, Gates McFadden said that it really is because of characters like Michael Burnham and all of the other really strong women characters that we yeah. have on shows like Discovery that actually allowed her to evolve the Dr. Crusher character, which I think is super cool. Strange New Worlds, too. Yep. Look at all yeah. the uh, strong women we've got in that series. Totally. <clears throat> so it's been her chance. <clears throat> her, 
her chance to really up the character. We've also got something going on with some weapons stolen from Daydream Institute. We see this big building being demolished. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but you've got stuff that it's like the building being torn apart, transported, and then dropped down on top of people. What they call it, it was like quantum tunneling or something that they called it. So I got the sense that it was like some kind of wormhole thing that they could weaponize. Yeah. You didn't really realize the fact of we've got a real strong rod off the bat story with Rafi. We're just we're only getting bits and pieces. So good. Somebody mentioned somebody mentioned this, and I agree. I don't know if one of our hosts said it or where I saw it, but her agent mentions her being a warrior. Only one person I know of that would use a warrior reference, and that would be Klingon. I wonder yeah. if her secret. I want for a secret person is Worf. That Worf <laughs> is the one backing her up and making her do these things. <laughs> and I could see Worf being that secret person. And he's not making her kind of do stuff <coughs> to fight, just making her question. Because he doesn't want to fight anymore. But they've got to protect against these weapons. So... They they did a good job. I think fans are agreeing the fact that they're doing a good job with this episode of really giving us a good snippet, getting everybody's attention, and which they did grab as much season two. I enjoyed season two, but we didn't grab the fans that they're grabbing us now. And I looking forward to Ready Room. <clears throat> Because <coughs> the, sun, excuse me, <coughs> the sun's talking to Will tonight, and I feel if he's showing up tonight, I think we're gonna lo- we're gonna learn some secrets in episode two. I think we're gonna find some find something out in in this episode, and they're gonna discuss it tonight in ready room. As for scoring, I'm going to agree with Eric and Jamie and give this one a nine. And with all five of us together, that's going to give a host score of 9.4. Surprisingly, two two tenths below the fans. Wow. Still very solid. Still extremely solid. There was one other thing that I, I I really that made me giggle, and that's when they come on the bridge, and Jordy LaForge's daughter is just standing there smiling, and Picard says to Seven, "What's wrong with that ensign over there?" And we find <laughs> yeah. out, is, and then Riker jumps right in and says, "Didn't you have a nickname at the academy?" And has this mm. whole back and forth thing, and it it really reminded me of the Mora Sulu in Star Trek Generations, and I liked that mm. little. That little interaction well, briefly. And the thing is, 
there were a couple of occasions in a few occasions in there where I thought it was interesting that the writers gave Riker a bit of a dad profile. There were some definite dad-type jokes getting thrown in there. And I just thought I think, were, were funny. I thought I thought they were good. They were a good addition. Made Riker look a little more humorous than he usually is. And I think Riker and Deanna are having some difficulties based on when he says to Picard, he goes, "Well, oh, yeah. Kestra and Deanna yeah. want to be away." From so I think there's For some sure. friction there that I think we're going to find about later. Uh, we're just about out of time, so before we do go, though, uh, there's two things I want to do. Um, next week, just a little teaser. Next week, we're going to talk about the episode, which is on today. And I have I pulled this little clip off of the Ready Room. So if you, when you guys watch the Ready Room tonight, this is the clip. And this is what we're going to talk about next week, just to get you guys in the mood. Power level at 13%. Who is it out there? I don't know. First, it was Fenris Rangers. Then, Klingons a day later. Then, three guys in Starfleet uniforms tried to prime direct me into an early grave. We've been running for months. Whoever's piloting that ship has resources. And we've been too close to the nebula for too long, and it's fried our systems. We're running on fumes. Trust nobody. That's what Beverly said. What do they want? We have to find out. But first of all, we have to make contact, strike an accord, negotiate. Computer, threat assessment. Unidentified vessel presently targeting all ship systems. Probability of destruction 100%. They're not here to negotiate. All right, next week we're going to break that down. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have a lot of fun. The name of the episode is Disengage, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. But for now, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. We really appreciate you guys. I especially want to say thank you to our very own Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. You better believe it. A blast as always, guys. It, it's, it just went by so quick. I knew it would with the Picard talk. I also want to say thank you to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, David. Can't wait. It's so exciting. Next week, you got to bring more donuts. We went through them okay. too quick. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Well, with an episode titled Next Generation Part 1, it had to be a talker. Yeah. So yeah that's... Can't wait to see what we do next. It's gonna. I'm. I'm really. I'm digging it so far. And of course, we do miss. We do miss Paul. But Paul is at Anthony's birthday. So happy birthday to Anthony! And hopefully, we'll see Paul again next week. Thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. We couldn't and would never think of doing the show without your support. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. So everybody, please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.